Hi, this is Prognosis Ohio, hosted by my dad, Dan Skinner. Well, you heard it there. This is Prognosis Ohio. I hope you won't mind, but I promised my son that if he helped me test out my new remote equipment, he'd get to do an intro. Seemed like a fair trade. On today's episode, I talk with a pillar of the Central Ohio community, Al Edmondson, who recently won an Everyday Hero Award announced in the dispatch for the health promotion work he does out of his barbershop, a cut above the rest. I really enjoyed visiting the barbershop and talking with Al, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. Today we've got a new feature to share. Before each episode, we're going to bring you a few things you need to know, which we're compiling with support from the Center for Community Solutions. Let's jump right in. Here are some things you need to know about health and human services in Ohio and the election results. First, 48 countywide health and human service levies were on the ballot, covering mental health and addiction recovery, senior services, public health, developmental disabilities, and children's services. 38 counties had levies on the ballot, and nine had multiple levies, including Hamilton County with three. Levies to benefit older adults were the most common ask for this election, appearing on ballots in 12 of the 38 counties. What you need to know is that all but three of these levies passed, most by large margins, with up to 75% voting and support, adding millions of dollars of new funding to programs supporting children, seniors, and those with behavioral health needs or disabilities. We'll be linking to the details at prognosisohio.com. Next, let's talk about two statewide issues that were on the ballot. The Ohio Constitution requires that the Supreme Court establish rules for determining the types, amounts, and conditions of bail in our state. Issue 1, which passed with 78% of the vote, amends the state constitution to require that judges must consider public safety, including severity of conduct, a person's criminal record, and the likelihood that a person will return to court when determining the amount of bail for a criminal defendant. As you might expect, there was vocal opposition to Issue 1, most notably from the Bail Project, which argued that bail only provides an illusion of safety and that it tends to favor wealthier defendants while undermining larger bail reform efforts. Third, Issue 2, which passed with 77% of the vote, addressed statewide voting rights, specifically related to citizenship. The amendment asserted that only a citizen of the United States who's at least 18 years of age and has been a legal resident and registered Ohio voter for at least 30 days can vote in any state or local election held in Ohio. What you need to know is that federal law already restricts voting in federal elections to U.S. citizens, but supporters worried that nothing in the Ohio Constitution prevents a future state legislature or local charter from extending the voting rights to non-citizens. Opponents of Issue 2 argued that it would remove inclusive language and replace it with restrictive words that would create barriers to voting. More than anything, though, there was concern that a 30-day no-voter registration policy would be the harshest blackout period in the country, potentially hitting young voters the hardest. As I mentioned, though, despite these concerns about voting access, the issue passed with an overwhelming majority. Finally, before turning to our interview, we want to tell you about an event happening this week. A webinar on November 16th will examine the Elderly Simplified Application Project. ESAP is a SNAP state option used to increase senior SNAP enrollment. This webinar is intended to educate state-based aging and anti-hunger advocates about the project to help get more older adults connected to the program. If you can't make it on the 16th, a video for the event will be archived at communitysolutions.com. You can also find a direct link at prognosisohio.com, as well as links for the other items included in this update. Okay, that's it for this week's Things You Need to Know, compiled in collaboration with the Center for Community Solutions. 
Okay, now let's turn to my conversation with Al Edmondson. When I went to visit Al, I arrived early, and I had a chance to just check out the vibe of his shop, where, against a persistent background of buzzers and clippers, regulars talk about sports, life, and of course get a fantastic haircut. But it's the atmosphere, comfortable, relaxed, welcoming, that makes a cut above the rest really special, and also creates the foundation for the kind of health work we're going to be talking about. The shop, if you get a chance to stop in, is adorned with a wonderfully depicted and bright artistic encapsulation of the community's history. It's really something special. You know, the artwork, man, is um, is a way that we actually can capture the neighborhood uh, with the artwork around our in the, that you that you see in the shop, and it ca- it talks about the culture. Um, it talks about things that are now gone in our neighborhood, um, buildings, um, traditions, clothing, and some of our great businesses that we used to have. And yeah. so we wanted to capture that moment when we had the opportunity. So when these young people come into our barbershop, they have the opportunity to, to know their history. Yeah. And since this is an audio show, I'm hoping I can snap a couple of pictures and maybe share them with the, Absolutely. the listeners. Absolutely. So congrats on your, your, your everyday hero award. Uh, that's Thank one you. of the reasons why, you know, I contacted you. I read about you in the dispatch and, I want to start with some basics, you know, just kind of before turning to your, the health promotion work that kind of links you to the work that we do on this mm-hmm. show. Tell me a bit about you, your barbershop and you know, kind of how you got into this business. Well, um, I started out um, playing football in Finley College um, in 1986. Um, and at that time, my um, father was a factory worker. So um, I had to drop out because, um, you know, he didn't understand the the the, the about paying for college Mm -hmm. books and tuition and stuff like that. And so I decided to join the army army reserve and, uh, went off to the army reserve and then I came back home. Um, and then I just, a guy talked me into going to barber school and I was like, ah, that sounds like a great idea. And so I decided to go to barber school. Once I got out of barber school, eight months later, um, I was army reservist still. And so I got activated to go to the Gulf war after one month of being out of barber school. Oh my God. Yeah. And so I was nervous at, I was nervous in the beginning. Um, the family was nervous because, you know, we've never had anyone in our family actually go to war. And so um, I was even ser- I was even nervous myself because, you know, um, I didn't have children or a family at the time. It was just was me. Yeah. And so um, just wanted to, um, you know, go fight for my country. You know, I got I made the commitment. And so I honored the oath. And so I went. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you got back, yeah. you were able to finally dive, dive in as you originally planned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I found my building, which is right across the street from where I used to work at. And uh, me and a partner um, worked together to, you know, get the barbershop up. And then after five years, I ended up buying him out because he has some financial issues. And so um, I turned it into a multi unit housing for a barbershop beauty shop and my nonprofit, which is called making a difference um, to help families in this neighborhood. Yeah. And it's a little bit of that transition that, that I really want to get into today. Yeah. You know, the wisdom of offering health screenings and, and doing the kind of promotion, um, you know, health promotion work you do and doing it out of a barbershop might not be obvious to all of our listeners. So, uh, but there's actually a long tradition there. I mean, you can read about sort yes. of, you know, and you've been right in, in the middle of that tradition, like early, mm-hmm. early adopter of this. So, Every Saturday, if I got this right, you offer vision and other health screenings. Yes. Uh, how did you decide to make this transition and using this amazing barbershop to do this kind of work? Yeah, well, I started, it all started with the uh, American Heart Association. Uh, Jill Shaw at the time was a community outreach coordinator and she, and she was so, she had, we had such a concern about black men's health. 
And this was in 1995 um, when we started these screenings. And so she um, took me to a training. And once we went through the training about, you know, educating African-American men um, about diabetes and their cholesterol, how important it is, because I had customers pass away from those type of diseases at the time. And then so um, she reached out to an organization called Kaida Phi, which is a African-American nursing um, organization that comes out in, in barbershops to do it. So we started the kickoff in my barbershop years ago. And then um, we partnered with Ohio State a few years later. And uh, they we bring their nurses in to um, do the, you know, they can get some outreach service hours by just coming to the barbershop. So, you know, one comes on Saturday and one comes on Friday. And during COVID, you know, we kind of really missed it because, the, the you know, people were used to coming to the barbershop to get their health screenings instead of going to their regular doctor by just understanding their numbers um, and, you know, and how to take then they how to take care of those things. But um, I mean, it's been a great ride. We're looking forward um, to them coming back starting this Friday um, with the Ohio State College of Nursing. So we we got we got everything ready to go. We're ready to get get back started and save some people's lives. So yeah, I, I imagine you know, obviously I get my hair cut and I have yeah. these conversations with people, and you get to know each other pretty well. You and your barbers uh, must learn a lot about people's lives generally, kind of. And, you know, I got to spend a little time sitting downstairs mm-hmm. waiting for you to finish up a cut. And, you know, you're just talking about whatever. It could be sports, but also it kind of goes all sorts of different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what what have you learned about people and, and, and also black men in particular, mm-hmm. African-American men? And that's kind of the focus of your 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 organization mm-hmm. here, your your establishment. What have you learned about them just over the years of your, your cutting hair? I mean, you t- it's a very intimate thing. You're getting right. to kind of really learn a lot about them in this time. Right. Well, I, I think I have some of the greatest customers and clients that come into my shop from doctors, lawyers, police officers, firefighters, um, you know, people who out in the street and just ordinary people and pastors. And so we get to, we get to learn a lot about family. We get to talk about, uh, you know, things that's going on to, in the neighborhood. And some of the, some of these guys are, pass their time and they, and they want to get out in the community to, to do it, but they're older. And so they look for a young guy like myself to be able to execute some plans or things that they want me to get out in the community. And I think that's very important for you know all of our neighborhoods. So now my reach is reaching out into other neighborhoods as well, try to help build up other leaders and sharing uh, information with other barbers or some of the things that we're doing and trying to build a coalition of barbers within the inner city communities. I mean, it's it's just like family, man. I mean, once you have a good barber and you grow up with them, you see, you know, they know my family. I know their family. And it's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just amazing, man. I, I think I always wanted to play professional football, but I like being a barber better. Yeah. Yeah. So w- what are some, you know, as you think back on the time you've been a barber and, and kind of what you've learned about health, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how does it come up? I mean, like, how do you start to have these conversations about, and do people just kind of like share because they trust you and you have these relationships or do you actually do anything in the context, you know, cause you're like a health promoter in the community now. Yeah. So they know coming here that they're not just getting a haircut. Like the Al might, I don't know, maybe you'll say something like, Hey, do you may, maybe want to talk to somebody about something? Yeah, even or, today I had a customer come in and I knew that he was having some health challenges. I said, Hey man, um, what did your doctor talk about? You know, he has uh, no arthritis in his back knees and all that stuff. What are some of the things that the doctor telling you to do? Um, and so he shared those things that, um, he wanted me to know. And then also, 
um, I'm already reaching out, asking about my questions. So first question is, how you feeling? Yeah. You know, and so that's the opens up the conversation about like, hey, man, when the last time you had your checkup? Or when the last time um, you've been to the doctor? Uh, I know you've been limping around. And as a barber, I pay attention to my customers and I kind of listen to them, even if they're struggling right now. Uh, mental health is a big, big thing that's coming up now with barbers. And um, we're trying to find out how, you know, what type of services we can connect people with. Um, through Franklin County Children's Services, the health department, whatever those organizations are. But now um, a lot of these young kids, a lot of these mothers, I I cut women's hair as well. Uh And so they talk about their issues too. And so it's just like when you get comfortable with your barber, we can talk about anything and it's confidential. I have to go to the grave with all the stuff I know. (laughs) Um, But it's been helpful and, uh, you know, my day, my, my whole job is to, you know, give them a great haircut and give them an encouraging word to um, help them move along to, through their issues or any challenges they may have at the time. When you started doing this kind of work, were people confused by it a little bit or, or was it just kind of like a natural extension of what you do already? Um, I think it, it shocked me because I never thought I would be doing this. I just wanted to cut hair and just go home. But, um, uh, you know, God has something else in plan for me to do because of my influence. Um, you know, just being, um, you know, from the neighborhood, former athlete, former business owner, and people want to be around positive people that can help encourage you. And that's, I think that's the most important part. So we know that men in particular can be really stubborn. I know you yeah. said you cut women's hair, but it seems like mainly you're, you're, the, the bulk of your establishment is, is men. And a lot of on this show, we talk about racial disparities a right. lot where okay. we, and a lot of the racial disparities that tend to get the most attention mm-hmm. for a good reason, maternal and child health. You know, we know that, yeah. you know, black infants are dying at higher levels mm-hmm. and white infants and things like that. And we talk about that on the show a lot, but men's health sometimes drops out of the mix a bit. It doesn't get the attention. I think I'm editorializing here right. that it needs, um, you know, w- when you think about the health of black men specifically mm-hmm. and kind of what you've learned what what do you want listeners to know about kind of the, the what, what you learn talking with people regularly about some of the barriers that are out? There? I think I think men want to um, have that conversation, but they you know sometimes they you know they don't share things with their wife or their or their girlfriends or things like that. And so being a barber, I have the opportunity to listen to their stories um, and listen what's going on with them. Um, you know whatever challenges they're having and. Um, one of the another thing is that they want to talk about it now. You know, as as we get older, um, we want to talk about things like that. You know, what's the next steps? And um, they are appreciative of you know the services that we provide in the barbershop from the nurses that come in, and you know with the health screenings and with you know you know coming out of COVID. You know, we also had focus groups around colon cancer. You know, because that's one of the number three for African-American men, and I'm working with a doctor out of Utah, Dr. Charles Rogers, and we're um, doing focus groups with men that, that help them understand, especially black men, you know, what colon cancer is, how it can be prevented, and different, those different challenges. And not only did we do it with, um, you know, men who are educated, we did it with men who are out here in the street, so, um, maybe some drug addicts or just ordinary guys, and the language is almost the same, but they spoke differently. But and so, you know, we have to, you know, for me, I like to make sure to educate our community, especially our men in our community and our young men in our community 
And so to not be afraid to um, go to the doctor or, you know, get a health checkup or, you know, be able to, you know, this is a safe place where you can talk about challenges that you have. And I think, and then I'll be, I'm, I'm the type of person when, you know, once I talk to our, especially our young men, I can share it or try to get them the help they need or the service they need through Franklin County Children's Services or whatever the type of problems they're dealing with. I was going to ask you about that. It seems like you're almost a connector in a way, you know, I am. you know, you know, people they need to know and you, and you have the trusting relationships. I mean, this is in, in many ways a model of what we need in healthcare generally, which mm-hmm. is like just people to connect other people to the resources they need. Right. And I think that's you absolutely. I think that's true because if you don't, you know, you have to have a way to get on the inside and the inside sometimes is for people who know what I do. They see me on TV or everyday hero or read the stories I've been in in the paper. They call and say, Hey, I'm trying to reach these type of people who need, um, um, food, you know, can you help me out? Or we, uh, do you know anybody that we can get coats from now as we come up during the, um, winter months? Yeah. And so people are always calling to just connect and, and I love just building relationships with organizations that can help our communities. And so they just need a go-to guy. And I'm just thankful I'm the go-to guy right now. So you're also involved in, you know, I mean, you're involved in lots of things, right? You're, you're I mean, yeah. as, as I arrived here today, you can get this sense. And I, I forget what the exact slogan on, on your sign is, but it's about the community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, okay. You, you cut hair and you do all that, but like, and it's kind of a gateway to all sorts of other things. What about making a difference and, and some of the other work that you do in the community? Yeah, making a difference is, is my baby, and that's where we started um, um, with fathers. You know, we wanted, you know, you know, we wanted to lift up black fathers, and we started it actually right here in this room with 40 men. And we started, started out as a Bible study group, and then um, Dr. Tracy Robinson, he was, the, he was the teacher, and so we started right here just working with men to help them be better fathers and how to connect with your children, how to connect with the wife, any social issues that they may have or dealing with, we all started right up here in this room. And then it spread it out um, throughout the city. So we, you know, we still do those um, getting together as far as for Bible study. But then also we added um, more to it with the men's breakfast for Father's Day weekend. And our Father's Day weekend breakfast, we get about two, 300 men, and it's a free breakfast on Saturday, the day before Father's Day, because we want to show our dads, we we want to lift them up, whether they're in the house or not in the house, and then have speakers coming to encourage them, to ask them to do the best they can as fathers. And um, and so with that, making a difference has, you know, we're, we've been around for 12 years. And then with the children, we started with back-to-school rallies in the beginning. And then we went from back-to-school rallies to, you know, toy giveaway. We got a toy giveaway coming up here. In December, um, and I just think that we got we, we have to continue to find ways to show people that we appreciate them and help them out in our communities because right now, coming out of COVID, there's a lot of people that may not be able to get their kids toys or may not even be able to buy socks and hats and stuff for our kids. So we want to make sure our communities in Central Ohio get get the things they need. Seems like. A big piece of what you do uh, is is just kind of dealing with stigma. I mean, there's people might feel, I mean, they're scared to maybe go to the doctor or, mm-hmm. or do some screening, but also just talking about this stuff can be hard because it challenges their own vulnerabilities, right? So yeah. 
it sounds like you're opening spaces for conversations. I, I really appreciate the way you just said, you know, just making them feel appreciated. You talk about, you know, fathers who might not be in the home mm-hmm. and they just kind of get tossed out of the conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing them back in. Right. So, you know, uh, w- what do you think is the key to kind of getting rid of that stigma? It, it may never, ever go away, but we have to continue to just continue to just reach out and, um, have them open up and talk about some of the things that the challenges that they're having and, and, um, and how they can get the help because all they, all they want to do is, you know, they need help. And some people are afraid to ask for help as men. We, you know, we prideful, right? So we don't want to have, we don't need help. You know, just like, you know, we, we've been taught when we play sports, you get knocked down. You, you, even though you're in the pain, get up, get back out there, fight. And so now it's a different game plan. The game plan is to get the help, Get yourself rested so you can come back out and fight for your family and for your community uh, another day. But, um, you know, my thing is that I want to continue to, as long as I'm living, be able to provide services and partner with organizations to help get into the community because everybody wants to connect her. Like you said, anybody calls, I can connect them to men, women, children, everything. And because they need to get out here in our community and help. Suppose somebody wants to do this kind of work, right? You got a barbershop, you got, it might be other kinds of establishments yeah. too, right? You're just trying to find a way to, to take a place like this and build it out to the community. What are some keys you've learned that work? I wonder if there was ever a moment where it didn't work, where mm-hmm. you kind of felt like, oh, maybe I went a little too far. I got involved in something I didn't want to, you know, because yeah. you're, you're really, you're getting into people's lives a little bit here. Right. So, so what, what's your advice for people who might, want to go down this road? I think you just have to be, you have, you have to have daring faith. Every time I've done something, um, I've always prayed about it and, and let God do the work and bring the people around me that, that want to get involved in the work for somebody's out there that's listening to this. Organizations are looking for community partners that can help them get their message out. You know, even during Narcan, the mental health is a lot. And then the, you know, there are different organizations that want to partner with people in the community. And so you just have to be open for them to come into your space and not be afraid. A training training goes with that as well, because a lot of organizations that I've worked with, we went through a training session. And, I, and in my way, my, in my thinking, I was like, man, the more I can know about, you know, chronic illness or mental health or, you know, what child abuse look like, those things, or what informality is like, it gives me more knowledge to, to help find the proper services for the people in the community and connect them with them. And so I think our, like my community partners, I love them. And um, you just got to be um, open to let people access your space in your shops or your businesses in order to connect with the people and, um, and then get it done. I mean, it, it, it's, I, I'm a, I'm a proof, I'm proof that it's been going well for me for the last 25 years. And um, people want those type of things. And then also you build your clientele, your customer base, because people want to see that you care about them and they support you. You know, in healthcare, and I, I teach medical students, um, we, we realized you know, a few years ago that we were, we were focused on patients as we should be. But then we realized that our workforce was sick and in need of care too. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, with your staff, um, and maybe yourself. I mean, ha- has this made you reflect a little bit more? Because sometimes we're real good hypocrites, right? right? Like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. Mm-hmm. 
but have you learned anything about your own sort of wellness uh, through this process? Yes. Um, I've learned that I do need to rest sometime. And then sometime um, I have to find an outlet for myself as well. Um, I have some great clients that I can talk to. I have the doctors, attorneys, and things like that. And just kind of share with them because we're close. Um, and, and be vulnerable that, that they're not going to judge me for anything that I've done. And I tell people I'm not perfect, but I can, you know, I keep my, I do the best I can with what I can. And so um, I do get the opportunity to talk to some really great customers who've been through where I've been through. They're almost like coaches. Yeah. And so I wish I could say the names of them, but I, I don't want everybody to come <laughs> to my shop. But um, I'm just, you know, there, I got some of the older men who are like coaches to me um, to help me um, do what I need to do. And then now, I'm the person now is coaching the, the next generation coming up. Well, suffice to say, this community, you know, I mean, is really lucky to have you here. And uh, I, I've enjoyed getting to, to know you. Um, you know, every, how did you feel when you were called an everyday hero? I mean, you seem like a pretty humble guy. So I'm sure you were kind of like, uh, yeah, I got to yeah. keep doing my work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm, always, I'm, I'm, I'm always grateful to be nominated for whatever. But, um, you know, the Everyday Hero Award, you know, I didn't know who nominated me, first of all, until I found out and when they showed up to the ceremony. And um, I just was grateful that somebody decided to choose me to represent um, the Everyday Hero Award. Um, I, can, I can't do nothing without my sponsors mm -hmm. and family support and community support. And so I'm very grateful for those people who trust me um, and love me <laughs> to, uh, you know, get out here and, uh, you know, make things happen for our community. And um, I'm just, I was just, I was blown away. And then, you know, just to meet these great people that do the same thing I do in their own spaces, because I always talked about how Dr. King wanted to not do the civil rights movement, but he had to answer the call of the people. And God, told him to basically say, hey, you got to answer the call of the people for me. And so I told each one of the everyday heroes, I said, each and every one of you answered your call in your own neighborhoods. We are all great and we all deserve this. And so don't stop. Keep going. And we'll create the next everyday hero in your community. And that's what I talked to, you know, of the people, but it was good. Well, thanks for having me here. Thanks for taking some time. I mean, you were I showed up a little bit early and you were right in the middle of a cut. And I mean, you could just get the sense that, I mean, that's, you're, you're kind of like a, you know, in your environment down there, right. You can yeah. kind of see that these are, these are your friends. These are your, your customers, but this is the place where you just are like meant to be or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Really wonderful to see that. I do have to ask though. And, you know, I don't want to force you to, uh, um, you know, engage in any kind of competition here, but a cut above the rest, what makes, what makes this a cut above the rest? What makes this us a color by rest because we're number one at everything we do. <laughs> and we try to do the best we can. And um, we're number one. I mean, that's a great place to end. Thanks, Al, for having me here and for being on the show. I really All right, appreciate it. Thank you it. for having me. This episode was produced by me, Dan Skinner. I received editorial and production support from Angela Lynn. The music was produced by Kyle Rosenberger. Special thanks to Patty Carlisle at Community Solutions for help with the Things You Need to Know segment. 
To learn more about Prognosis Ohio and to check out an archive of past episodes, including episodes that are nice counterparts to today's conversation, please visit our website at prognosisohio.com. Prognosis Ohio is a member of the WCBE Podcast Experience and the Health Podcast Network. We've got some great episodes coming in the next few weeks, so make sure you're subscribed and please, if you can, review us online. Please be in touch if you have ideas for guests, topics, or ways we can improve the show. In the meantime, we wish you well. Thanks for listening.